you know, I'll be honest, it wasn't so much the age. It was back in those days, a lot of the people that were going to church, and I hate to say this, but they were very impressive. People from Harvard, MIT, uh, Boston University, Boston College, Tufts University. This is like Ivy League, you know, just people that uh, looked good, sounded good, smart. It wasn't like the down and outs church. So I thought in my mind, well, shoot, if, you know, these are the good looking people. There was one like model from Harvard. I'm like, oh, these are smart, good looking people. So there must be something behind here. My name is Aldo Martin, and this is the Reclamation Podcast. I think one of the themes so far of the Reclamation for Season 3 is... Well, for Season 2, we've we've discussed people from different physical, geographic locations. And in this season, we have people of different generations. We have people on the show who've been as young as 18 years old. And we've had people who was as seniored as 87 years old, right? And it really just runs the gamut of this this experience really doesn't care about what age you are. It really goes across generations. And today we have a young lady with us who was baptized. Well, first of all, her name is Sherry. Sherry, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Nah, thank you for joining us. And, and Sherry, it is my understanding, and it's it's my understanding because you told me, <laughs> that you joined the church in Boston in 1980. That's correct. Can you please tell us the the circumstances surrounding that? How did you get in? Why did you get in? Sure, I'll set the scene. Okay. So I was born and raised in the city of Boston, in the inner city. Uh, Mattapan, Massachusetts, for anybody who knows that. <clears throat> That's technically the hood for Boston. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> One of the inner cities. Yeah, but uh, I used to call it murder pan. Call it what? <laughs> murder pan, ma- murder pan. But it's not. It's it's really not that bad. But you know, anyway, it's considered the you know one of the inner city places: Roxbury, Dorchester, and Mattapan. And I was born in you know born in Boston, and I didn't grow up religious. Raised by a single mom, maybe went to church here and there on Easter, all dressed up, but that was the extent of it. My mother wasn't into the church. So we just had a big, scary Bible from passed down, gold Bible, ornate, sitting somewhere. I was King James. To touch King, King James, That's for King sure. King James and, and all the, the leaflets of, you know, dead relatives went in uh, funeral programs <laughs> with me. So I was afraid of that thing. Yeah. But when, <laughs> so I, I, I always loved school. It was an escape, you know, um, for me. So I went to Boston, Boston College mm-hmm. and uh, uh, got a degree in communications was not really looking for church, but always had a longing for something deeper and spiritual. When, when, Sherry, if, if you don't mind, Sherry, so you joined as a, as a sophomore, as a freshman? I was a freshman, so they got okay. me early. I was a freshman at Boston College, and I was 17 years old as a freshman. I was very young, but I was very, um, <clears throat> kind of had a very intense mind, you know, very, uh, somewhat spiritual in my in my perspective about life you know even though I was a freshman and wanted to party and 
you know, hang out and stuff like a regular college freshman, but I still kind of had this underlying uh, intrigue about God for sure. Mm. So <clears throat> I was your classic freshman, had a great roommate and uh, someone, they went door knocking that night at church and knocked on my door and invited me to your, a Bible study. You lived on camp. You lived on campus. You lived. On I campus. lived on campus. I did. I lived on the beautiful campus, Austin College, big old. That was back in the uh, Doug Flutie era when he won the Heisman tro- Trophy. There, there we it was go. A fantastic time. There a lot we of go. the Kennedys went to the school there. It was a beautiful place. But I um, went to the Bible study, and uh, it was the first time in my life that I heard uh, the Bible being taught or talked about in sort of a practical way. And I was like, I thought it was blasphemous to, you know, discuss the Bible and touch the Bible. It was just like a whole new, you know, uh, experience. Whole new thing no experience That's right. A whole new experience for me. So I was really intrigued by that and really glad. Oh, okay. It's okay to ask uh, God questions in your heart, you know, and not feel like you're going to get struck by lightning. Like, you know, you tell, Oh, don't question the Lord. Oh, you know, <laughs> but yeah, kind of all that mentality, but you know, it, it, it made me see, oh, okay, you can't go deeper with God. You can't talk to him. You can't cry with him. You can disagree and fight and struggle and just have a relationship with him. Can I, I can actually something? have a relationship with him. Yes. Can I something, Sherry? So also the people that taught it to you, did their age have something to do with the intrigue also? You know, I'll be honest, it wasn't so much the age. It was back in those days, a lot of the people that were going to church, and I hate to say this, but they were very impressive. People from Harvard, MIT, uh, Boston University, Boston College, Tufts University. This is like Ivy League, you know, just people that uh, looked good, sounded good, smart. It wasn't like the down and outs church. So I thought in my mind, well, shoot, if, you know, these are the good looking people. There was one like model from Harvard. I'm like, oh, these are smart, good looking people. So there must be something behind here. And uh, so that that kind of intrigued me because it wasn't like, you know, I was embarrassed mm-hmm. to go and or to bring people. And um, because everybody was, you know, a lot of yeah. college students, because, you know, Boston is as a college on every, every other street. So for campus ministry, <clears throat> it's a gold mine. Understood. So, yeah. Understood. Yep. Understood. Mm-hmm. So, so those are the surrounding, uh, uh, circumstances and, mm-hmm. and then you got involved, you got baptized. Do you remember when you got yep. baptized? I do Friday night, November 14th, Lexington, Massachusetts in the old building. And, and so for me, my conversion was very clear cut. I was very black and white. Just give it to me straight. I don't want any of this religious garbage. Just what, what does the Bible say? What does the uh, medical account of Jesus say? What am I supposed to do? Where's the water? Let's get baptized. Let's get the Holy Spirit. Let's let's move on. So for me, <laughs> that's kind of how I operate it. So that's why okay. I did the time, date, and place. It's not foggy to me. My conversion was very clear and very in- intent on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Understood. I want to I want to jump ahead and then I want to come back. I want to come <laughs> That's back. Right. Okay. Okay. What year did you wind up leaving? 2003. So 2003. So help me with the math here. That's about 23 years. 
Mm-hmm. It's 23 yep. years. Okay. Yeah. So let's go back then. Let's go back to 1980. One of the, um, not one of, but the book that we've been discussing in season three at length, uh, at least I think we've discussed it at length, is The Discipling Dilemma, written by Flavel, mm-hmm. uh, Flavel, Dr. Flavel Yakely. Mm-hmm. And he has a quote in the book, and I want to read to you the quote, and I would love to hear your perspective on this. Okay. okay. Because I think you, you and I spoke yesterday, and you said something that no one has ever told me, and I thought this was fascinating. So mm-hmm. the author makes a prediction in the book, and he says, quote, the discipling movement among churches of Christ, in my opinion, is likely to fragment before the end of this century. End quote. He wrote this in 1985. Mm-hmm. And the church, for lack of a better term, fell apart in 2003. Right? And, right. And for wh- whatever that looks like for different people. So it mm-hmm. almost seems as if his prediction seemed to be correct. Yeah. However... If I look at the word fragment, it just means split apart, going in different ways. Yeah. And you, my friend, you and your family moved to Portland, Oregon at some point. Yeah. And by the time 2003 came about and the fall and the Henry Creek letter and all that other stuff, you were already stationed in Portland, Oregon. Is that right? That's correct. A couple years after that, maybe a year or two after that. (laughs) <laughs> you were in a park mm-hmm. and you noticed a church service, not just one church service. You noticed a few church services in the park That's right. at, the, at the same time. Can you That's tell right. us about that? Sure. So <clears throat> this is after the Henry Creek letter. So a lot of us in the Portland church, a lot of the leaders or older people, older Christians left the church when the church split. And was left the ICOC. You left the left- ICOC. Yeah, or whatever it was called. Yeah, the ICOC. Mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you like to say names in this show? Hey, listen, if you want to say a name, if you want to say yeah. a name, go for it, you know? Oh, okay. I just didn't know if that's what you, you do. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, so in 2003, when some people wanted to follow uh, Kip and some people didn't, you know, um, the, the the Portland church was busted up. So... On one Sunday, there was a bunch of us because Henry Crete had come up and actually gathered a bunch of us and did a sermon. We were all at one park in this place called Tigard, Oregon. And I was looking around. You had Kip's group that was there for Sunday service. On the same park in the other corner, you had Henry Crete's service. Around the corner was the mainline Church of Christ without music. And then down the street from that was the mainline Church of Christ with instrumental music. So you had four churches of christ with the same doctrine all meeting because of whatever because of man yeah if if that's not if that's not a picture of fragmented i don't know what is Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so i've never i've never heard that story before so Mm -hmm. literally Mm -hmm. literally there were these church competing church services in the same locale physical and you guys were in i i i uh, eyesight of each other, you could see them. You didn't have to like turn the oh. corner or drive. No, no, no. We could see one of the groups and I think one of the uh, churches from where we were. 
yeah. And the other church was kind of a little further down the road. Mm-hmm. Man, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I find yep. that very interesting. So yep. the, the discipling movement, as and and when you got converted, it wasn't even called the International Church of Christ. It was, well, what you call it? it was just Church of Christ. It was the Lexington Church of Christ when I was converted. Lexington and Lexington Church of Christ, is a yeah. very very white, wealthy, old money. <laughs> oh, in Lexington, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so so it's a far yeah. cry from uh from uh what you Madigan. call that. <laughs> it's a far cry. It's a far cry. That's right. So, so it's a, it was a sub, suburb about thirty minutes outside of Boston. Okay, where the so, Lexington Church was. Mm-hmm. So, in the discipling dilemma, um, uh, Doctor Yakeley refers to the group as uh, the discipling movement, and in this case, he refers to it as the Boston movement, right? And so, yeah, and he refers to it as a hierarchical system. Right. That's what he he describes it as from his observation. From your perspective, as a person that was there at the onset, a person that was mm-hmm. there at the time that this book was written, you were a member of the church. You were there. You were one of the thriving yep. many. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, did it look like a hierarchical system at the time? Absolutely. I mean, you could break down uh, initially when we first started ready to go international. I know who was set to go to Paris, who was set to go to Lagos, who was set to go to London, Chicago. You know, those were some of the first plantings. And um, so you knew those those are the people to revere. Those are the people in place. And then kind of it goes down from there. You know, it's very, you know, your mission group leader, a zone leader, you know, a Bible talk leader, a Bible talk assistant. And then in London, you're a zealot. That's kind of one step below. <laughs> is that ridiculous? <laughs> one step below a Bible talk leader, you're a zealot. It means you're a fired up little baby Christian. So all these steps. And um, so it was very, very, very clear and very like, you know, you follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. yeah. That, that uh, definitely that was loud and clear. Follow okay. me as I follow Christ. Even to the point of the way you dress talk about that yeah i mean it's like and as a woman it's like that's our pride and joy you know i want to my 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 style right Mm -hmm, my mm -hmm. the way i don't want to dress and hair you know okay my hair doesn't look like yours i got you know so i mean back then you guys were lucky because you guys kind of came into like a more cultured church okay you know so i you know this was like everybody listened to james taylor Everybody had to say, well, I love James Taylor, but you know what I mean. Everybody, uh, there was no instrumental music. That there was, was you, sin. You mean it was only James Taylor, no James Brown? Is that what you're telling me? No James Brown, just <laughs> James Taylor. And so, um, you know, and uh, I can't, you know, I come from a very musical background. My mother sang jazz in the 50s at clubs in Boston. And I was in a band at Boston College when I was converted, and I had a couple of leaders come to my show, and they, you know, the jaws were dropped. And why, 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 why were the jaws drop? I think because of what I was wearing back then in the eighties, or maybe they thought it was too—I don't know—probably thought it was too worldly. And I, I, and when I look back at that, I'm like, no, that was just like a regular average dress, black college band, and I, it wasn't really—it wasn't inappropriate. We were just so. Understood. Over righteous, I think sometimes you know, in the way we approached life. 
But so, uh, you, you know, you, you did say something interesting though. You said that um, that I was lucky because I got baptized in '95, 15 years after after you did, and mm-hmm. and when I came in, it was it was it was cultured, right? It was at least that's what it looked like on the outside. There was a variety of races. It was certainly yeah. all nations. But you told mm-hmm. me something yesterday when you got baptized. You were the fourth or the fifth? I think I was like the fourth or the fifth black person to get baptized in the church. And I think, <clears throat> you know, one thing that did attract me to the church is that Kip was trying, you know, he was very like, I have a Latin wife, you know, and, you know, whatever. And this isn't a black church or a white church. This is God's church. So I thought, okay, that's very rare in Boston. Boston is very segregated. And you're either white Catholic or you're part of the AME church or, or, you know, black and Baptist. And that's pretty much it. We didn't have any big, you know, international, uh, you know, non-denominational churches like you found maybe in the West coast or in the Midwest or down South. Boston was very, very traditional in that way. Okay. So for me, I'm, it was very new. I'm like, okay, right on. He wants to have a multicultural church. So game on. I'm, 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 you know, I'm sold, sold on that. Piece. What's not to like about that? Right, right. Mm-hmm. So that was very, uh, that was very encouraging. So those, those are some of the earlier teachings. And sometimes I think, and it's not so much I'm giving credit to Kip, but I think this happens. Things get lost in translation. Okay. You know, when you have a leader that kind of sets a precedent, and maybe they're saying one thing. Once it trickles down of all the ridiculous steps that we had, you know, you're an evangelist and you're a zone leader, and then you're a house church leader, and then you're a Bible talk leader, and then you're a zealot <clears throat> by the time you get down to the zealot you know what i mean and they're like all, all of a sudden Ooh, we're, I, i'm empowered and they start messing about with people under them it gets lost in translation and there's a lot of immaturity mm. that that kind of kind of uh translates down you mm. know and i think that was part of the control thing that mm. um it got lost in translation you mean that, like uh, a like a game of telephone exactly Exactly. And I think, um, and, and, and is that because of the hierarchical system It had to go from the top down and by the time it got to a regular person, it was a different message. Is that what you mean? I, I think that there was a lot of elements like that. I mean, even just like my mother, I was, my mother was, who became a Christian in the eighties. She uh, was in children's ministry and she had this young man in church kind of try to school her on something with kids. I, my mother has her master's in education <laughs> and she is a social worker. Uh, you know, she spent her life as a social worker for the city of Boston. You can't school my mother on, you know, the schooling. Classroom. <laughs> you can't school your mother <laughs> on schooling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was just like, you know, and that was just, I, and I think I probably had a word with that guy. And it's like, no, 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 no. And um, <clears throat> even just, uh, someone coming down hard on someone, a non-musical person who was up there in leadership came down hard on another person uh, about a a song that we were doing and her opinion mattered. And the person that she was coming down on sang with the Boston Pops. You don't school anybody who sings with the Boston Pops about music. Obviously, <laughs> they're very talented, you know, and I think that um, I think that sometimes everybody in the church with the hierarchy, everyone's an authority on something. 
we kind of claimed, you know, we're, you know, we're, you become a Christian. Now you're automatically just a marriage therapist, a psychotherapist, you know, all, you know, the, you, you're a marriage counselor. No, you know, people get their PhDs in these things. And, uh, you know, mm. I, I had a friend years ago whose sister committed suicide and, you know, I was supposed to be quote unquote discipling her. And I said, no, she's been devastated. She needs professional help. Don't, First of all, don't put that on me and don't, let's not, it's a disservice to her. And I think yeah. there was a lot of that. I think there was a lot of, you know, these marriage conferences and all these conferences for, for incompetent people mm. that don't have their degrees, don't really know what they're talking about, been talking about the same old thing for 30 years. You, you know, as you're, as you're describing this, as you're describing this, you know, a lot of the people that have been on the show... And I think a lot of listeners can relate to some of it. However, for a lot of people that have been on the show, we were converted in the mid '90s. Well, into I'd say I'd say late early '90s and onward. Right? There've been a few yeah. that were converted in the '80s, but the majority of people were converted in the '90s onward. And what you're describing is the early days. Yeah. So. So it was really nothing new. By the time 1995 came about, my year, uh, when I became a member, it's really nothing new. That was it was already established years before, while you were in your in your younger years as as a disciple. In terms of like hierarchy and the yeah. structure, yeah, absolutely. But I think there's a couple of things that kind of when I say you guys had it had it better, it's because you you came into a church that was more diverse. Mm -hmm. I think when you came in, was there instrumental music? Um, when you came in? I don't remember that, but I don't... I mean, I, I remember there might have been like a service with a band, like a special service. That would have happened, yeah. Exactly. So we didn't have any of that. That was looked down upon. That was like sinful. Like you don't... The the New Testament doesn't say anything about uh, instruments, so we don't do instruments. So we, so you guys had diversity. You had musical <laughs> instruments. So for us, you know, um, I, I think that... You guys, you know, in the 90s, they tried to, to lax a little some of the rules. They bought in music. The dating you know, kind of relaxed a bit. The the idea of, you know, you can date someone for six months and get married. They started to implement that. Like, not let's not make such a big deal out of dating. Wait a second. Wait a second. You said date somebody for six months, then get married. That was a formula? That's right. That was a formula? That was, yes, that was kind of. No, it wasn't. What you mean? I'm telling you right now. Please, in Boston, please explain. In Thanks for tuning in to the Reclamation Podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed what you've heard thus far. If you would like information on how to support this program, please check out the Support This Program link located in this episode's description. See you next time.